Welcome to the Reach Australia podcast. Our current series is on preaching, exploring the craft and skill of preaching. It's often that we're good exegetes, we're blessed with great colleges and fine traditions in our networks, but it's on our feet and applying the word to the people in front of us where we're sometimes a little bit weaker. And it's my pleasure to be able to welcome Phil Colgan from St George North Anglican Church in Sydney to speak to us about this today. Phil, welcome. It's great to have you here. Thanks, Gary. Great to be here. Uh, Phil, how long have you been at St George North? Yeah, I've been there 19 years. So I left Moore College, went there as an assistant minister and then took over as senior minister 15 years ago. Yeah. 15 years? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that makes me feel old because I remember when that happened and it's now a fair while ago. You were in a great year at college, by the way. Oh, it was an excellent year. Yeah. yeah excellent so peers. Just, yeah, that's right. Uh, so, Phil, you've been preaching there a long time, but also been preaching just a long time generally. Um, tell us about starting out. How did you go starting out? Was it just all easy from the get-go? Yes, yeah. Well, I can think of many stories when I first started. My first sermon ever was, uh, I was only a young guy at university. I've been a Christian a couple of years. And the, the rector at the church where I was asked me to preach on a holiday Sunday when uh, lots of people were away. Yes. And it was Romans 7. <laughs> and uh, let me tell you, uh, I went back and read those notes a couple of years ago and I, I wouldn't reuse that sermon. Let's just say <laughs> right, okay. Yeah. I don't yeah. keep them. No. I don't keep them. Yeah. <laughs> from that yeah. far back. Yeah. I'm not sure any have survived yeah. from yeah. Uh, that far back in my but ministry. No, it wasn't, wasn't the most compelling. I, I do remember yeah. getting up into the pulpit and uh, looking out and one of the old men had fallen asleep by the time I said, my name's Phil. And uh, <laughs> that was... That's my memory of that sermon. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Hopefully things have improved since then. Hopefully. Uh, a few miles under your belt and indeed uh, a long solid ministry at St George North. Uh, I want to talk to you about your preparation first of all. Um, when do you set your program, your preaching program? Yeah, yeah. So we, uh, we work out a year ahead around July the year before. We roughly work, think about what we want to be preaching on and so mm. forth. Uh, and then in our staff retreat in uh, November, in fact, it's next week for us, mm. uh, it, uh, uh, we actually map it out and that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. So that starts the process for you. Yeah. You're starting yeah. to map it out, which means break up the passages and all the rest yeah. of it. Have you noticed a shift over the years uh, in the size of chunks that you attempt as a preacher? Yeah, yeah. I. I don't know if I've noticed a change over the years so much as uh, I've probably be, become a little more experimental rather than just standard, where I'll actually, rather than just say, oh, here's the easy breakup, or we can say, actually, that needs a short focus there. There's an opportunity to, to deal with a particular short passage or something rather than just chapter one, chapter two, if you get what so I mean. So responding to your congregation, knowing yeah. something's an issue yeah. or maybe yeah. what's going on in the wider culture. Well, that's right. So, yeah. you know, if you're preaching through Ephesians, uh, I might actually slow down and say, hey, those passages on marriage, mm. we need to focus in on those a bit more, given everything in our world at the moment. So yeah. something like that. Yeah. 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 So pausing at that moment of breaking up the passage. Now, I say this because the number of times I've sat at my desk a week or two out from a sermon and cursed the year ago me yeah. for giving yeah. myself that break up yeah. and not being more thoughtful back mm. then. Mm. So giving a good thought then. So coming up closer um, to the time of preaching a particular passage, just take us through your process, Phil. What is yeah, it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, understanding it's not going to stay exactly the same each week and no, life happens. No. 
but uh, give us the, the ideal scenario. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm often just thinking about the passage uh, out in advance. Uh, I'll start ruminating on it, if you like, uh, and ruminating on a whole book, perhaps, but mm. also where I'm preaching these mm. four passages, or whatever it is, uh, just start thinking about it. On the, I, I rarely uh, prepare in advance, so I tend to pre- prepare in the week I'm preaching, mm. though it's been ruminating for a long time. Yeah. So as I come to it, I've already got thoughts and so yes. forth. Yeah. Uh, first thing in the week, I'll just sit down and start messing around with the passage. Uh, I try and do that early. Uh, I do that be, obviously before I start writing you know, mm. and, uh, and actually just try and map it out. Mm. Uh, I'll only turn to a commentary if I think, hang on, what's, what's that about? And I don't get that or that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, though often after I've done my work and I've sort of mapped out, I think this is the rough direction of where I'm going, here are the key points, all those sorts of things. Mm. I might then read a commentary just to get get an insight say hang on he's challenging what I'm thinking or mm. something like that yeah. yeah yeah so that that tends to be uh, first thing Monday morning or Monday afternoon yep. for me uh, do you diarize that uh, I don't but it's pretty set in my right my week yeah so if someone yeah. bails you up on Sunday and says hey I want to catch up with you this week you've got yeah. in mind no it's not going to be Monday afternoon or well whatever. the beauty is I have my staff day booked in from 9 30 Monday morning mm. which means before that is when I map it out which is yeah. great because then our staff meeting we can read the passage yeah, talk about right. it, and I've already got some thoughts and yes. so forth yeah yeah uh, and then I come back to it Monday afternoon yeah. yeah okay in terms of then working I've I've come up with my own way of then writing sermons mm. uh, I I start at the beginning and go through. So when I was at more college or mm. studying before that at uni, I, when you write an essay, you'd say, I'll write this chunk and I'll write this chunk and then bring it all together. Yeah. I find that doesn't work for sermons. I've got to start at the beginning and go through. Hang uh, on, do you map out a structure? I've mapped out a structure. Yeah, yeah. And then, but once I start writing, I start writing. Yeah. yeah. And so I'll, I'll sit there, I'll start at the beginning. Uh, and usually I try and give a day roughly to mm. this. But when I say give a day, I'll go, and when I run out of puff, I'll switch off and do something else. Yeah. Uh, and then I'll come back and start at the beginning again. Yeah. And go through from the beginning, pick it up, add a bit to it. Then I'll come back again, start at the beginning. And I find this is helpful because what it means is I'm actually just reworking it over and over again in my preparation. Yeah. Uh, which just helps me uh, work on the logic, work on the, is it actually hitting the point? Is it clear? Mm. Those sort of things. Yeah. I, the, the transitions between chunks, so you do some work on the passage, you're doing yeah. some exegesis, you might have an illustration. It's those transitions are often the hang-up points that you've yeah. got to work hard at. That's and it's, right. Okay, so going back through from the start, about a day? Yeah, so what I do is I try and give about a day, but in the end it's probably half a day yeah. that I'm actually writing because I find like after 40 minutes of ploughing through, I go, hang on, I've run out of path I'm, yeah. uh, and I'll go away and make a couple of phone calls, yeah. go and visit someone, uh, something like that, mm. uh, then come back to it, as I say. But I'll keep reworking it through, so I'm following that. For me, the logic of a, of a sermon is, is essential, good structure and logic, yeah. and so I find that helpful. I then, once I've finished the sermon, I come back to it a couple of days later. Yeah, give it give it that slow cooking time. That's right. It's, so Kick I've got it around full, in your head, yeah. I've got a full text there that's been worked through, worked through, worked mm. through. Uh, but then I'll come back to it and just go through it mm. and sit there. 
I'd be, I'd be, it'd be funny if someone was watching me preach. So I, I lock myself in my uh, write sermons because yeah. I, I actually, I'm, I'm there talking to the computer screen. I'm speaking it as I, uh, as I go, and I'm changing words and messing oh, around. Sure, that'd be very entertaining. Things. It'd be fun to watch. Well, this yeah. has come up a couple of times though, yeah. Yeah. Um, particularly some of the guys who are a little bit older, a little bit older, Phil, uh, <laughs> younger than me, but a little bit older. Um, uh, maybe not practicing the whole thing out loud standing on your feet, yeah. as you might have yeah. done when you were a younger preacher, but nonetheless testing out lines verbally. Yeah. That's coming up. Yeah, no, very much yeah. so. So I, I actually never, even as a young preacher, I, I never subjected Victoria, my wife, to listening to myself. <laughs> yeah, maybe, never, maybe once or twice yeah, very yeah, early yeah. on. No, that's I didn't thing. say subject the family, uh, yeah. yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, yeah. But even yeah. I remember I had an assistant and he would often uh, go early on a Sunday morning preach the sermon to an empty church before people got there and that sort of thing. And some people find that helpful. But for me, I do that in my study. It's mm. as I go, I'm just mm. talking to myself mm. uh, and uh, and shaping it and so forth. Yeah. And I, I just think that's essential, that writing the sermon, then coming back to it a couple of days later yes. and go and working through it. And you know, it might take two hours, just might be another two hours of, of work. Mm. But too often over the years, the, the, the feedback I've given to, uh, to younger preachers, uh, preachers I'm training, mm. is on Sunday, I, the, the phrase I use is, you preached me a Thursday sermon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, it needed a rework, it needed, and where, where you see it is, actually if you'd reworked through that, you would have realized you didn't need that much repetition, or you needed more repetition. Yes. Uh, the logic didn't work between point one and point two. Yeah. Things like that, that's what is added to. Or the language was was too formal and you didn't think about your, those sort of things. That's what comes out through the ruminating and then reworking. It's like you build the car, the car's running, but you didn't do a couple of laps of the track. Exactly. Just to fine tune that's it right. a bit. That's yeah. right, and yeah. I, just, I just think that's essential. Yeah. 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 Uh, so in other words, you're disciplined enough to defend your time and to make sure that you're working on your sermon through the week to give it that time to kick around in the back of your head to be refining it. You're not going go to woe Saturday afternoon, Saturday night, and then trying to stand up with a hard start Sunday morning. I, uh, I think I can say this in all honesty. I've never worked on a sermon on a Saturday night. Yeah, right. 20 something years. I, okay. uh, very early on, I actually made a commitment to Victoria and my family that mm. I didn't think that was loving on them for me to be locked in my study on a Saturday night. Now, occasionally yeah. the week gets away yeah. and Saturday morning is when I do that Thursday. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah. Thursday yeah. got taken up yeah. uh, with a Reach Australia conference or something. You know. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, I'm fairly disciplined, well, I think very disciplined at no, uh, both my congregation and my family mm. deserve me to prioritise that time for working on the sermon. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. and that starts Monday morning? That starts Monday morning. Well, it actually yeah. starts in the weeks and months ahead. Yeah. 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 Uh, let's talk about tools. Just a couple of little practical points. Uh, you mentioned commentaries. Mm. I think like a, a lot of guys, you've probably relied on commentaries less as you've gone along. Do you think that's fair to say? And what would you say to younger preachers about using commentaries? Yeah, yeah. I, I think you need to use commentaries at points. Mm. Uh, so my process is... Uh, I. Can I say accordance on my computer has been a great help for me in mm. terms of my, my uh, just looking at the Greek and Hebrew and that sort of thing, uh, rather than being in here, mm. uh, having the computer tool. But I, I think commentaries are really, really helpful in terms of just checking, okay, hang on, have, have I gone off on a tangent that's unhelpful here? Mm. Is actually, 
is my great idea the first time that's been come up with in the history of Christendom mm. and mm. actually it's just yeah. rubbish you know that yeah. sort of thing <laughs> I always find and especially as a younger preacher if I read commentaries too early I followed them yes. and I followed their idea I even especially if it's a, not a technical commentary but you know there's some great preachers commentaries and mm. great uh, uh, but then their whole flow gets in my head their whole yeah. uh, illustrations gets in my head and yeah, so it's forth. really helpful yeah. whereas reading it later when you've already got your your own structure worked yeah. out and then say that's really helpful and actually I'll incorporate that but it's yes. coming from a position where you've been driven by your work on the text. So the commentaries are like the guardrail not the tram track. That's right that's yeah. helpful. Yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. no that is really helpful. Um, uh, are you preparing on paper at all do you find printing out the passage annotating you a sort of visual guy like that? No just, no I'm, a, uh, I'm, I'm in here. Right <laughs> and, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah yeah and uh, and that's where you've got to work out what works for you. Yeah. Different people work differently. Yeah. Uh, I know guys who have the passage there and they map it out and they draw mud maps and that's, mm. that's just not the way I, I work. Yeah. Um, so I'll, uh, I'll be there with my Bible uh, and I might write things on a scrap of paper and notes and that sort of thing mm. but then I'll just sit there with the computer and yeah. Going. yeah. Now you type full text. I think you said before. I do. I uh, yeah. I use a full text. Mm. Uh, I find that helpful. Uh, though my full text is uh, is very much spoken language. Yes. So I have just. Uh, uh, it's interesting did, how you start. Did, to did think you struggle about to transition to that coming out of college? Was it where you wrote more formally and you had to find a speaking voice. Well, I, that's where yeah. what I called before the Thursday work. Yes. Was longer and more important back then. Yes. Because right. that's where I went through and say, hang on, you don't talk like that. Yeah, you don't right. say subsequently when you're talking. <laughs> you don't don't say thus like you did when you were writing a college essay. You know, you um, and yeah. I just have little rules where uh, any time there's an and is the start of a new sentence. So I don't mm. worry about grammar. I don't worry about any of that. Yeah, and yeah. I remember someone asked for the text of my sermon once to turn it into an article. And I go, this is terrible. There's a yeah, lot of work. because yeah, yeah. hanging doesn't... sentence in yeah, there. This yeah, is, yeah. Because yeah. my point is each line is a new thing. And mm. every one of them starts with and, but, mm. so, yeah. you know, that, that sort of thing. They're mm. the words and so forth. Mm. Now, that used to be a much more carefully crafted thing years ago mm. that now it just sort of flows naturally yes and now I'm much less tied to it when I preach mm. so I I actually find because I I'm in a church where I have to preach if I preach I'll preach at least three times on a Sunday mm. sometimes mm. four or five um, mm. across the different congregations uh, five yeah that so on a, on a couple of occasions yeah, okay yeah. How's seven, the vocal seven was the most on, a, on one occasion seven. There you go. That's in one a, okay because I did five during COVID for about six months yeah there. but yeah. Uh, I no, thought well, I was a bit of a hero for that so when, it, when it was two different ones across multiple was a fun time when I was five minutes in and realized I was preaching the wrong sermon that, that was an interesting <laughs> right. moment but uh, I was on the wrong, wrong did you one. change tack I I somehow drew a segue <laughs> to, to not uh, tell people, but <laughs> right. <laughs> Someone's of, watching yeah. this now. The part of your congregation. That's right. That's right. Yeah, well, yeah. That, feel that sorry sermon about on that. Proverbs actually started as a sermon on Ephesians. But there you go. <laughs> uh, but um, uh, where were we? No. Uh, in terms of in terms of full text. Yeah. Going to yeah. Point, yeah. But that's where I actually put my sermon away after that work on a Thursday, mm. and the next time, or it might be on a Saturday morning, as I said, whenever it is. The next time I look at it is when I preach it for the first time. Okay. And I, 
that's it. this is just me, mm. but I find that then means, because as, you know, as I've said, I've worked through it, worked through it, worked through it in the preparation. I know it pretty well. Mm. But I find that means I'm, I'm, not, I'm not worried about the text. I'm getting mm. up to preach with this text yes. in front of me. Whereas I think some others try and learn their script. Yeah. And I find actually trying to learn the script ties me to the script more. Interesting. In, in a strange sort of way. But you've yeah. got to work out your no, I style, think that makes sense. your yeah. personality. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So you've got a full text in front of you. You're not doing the old uh, margin note with point form down the side. No. Just the no. full text in front of yeah. you, but you're not tied to it. That's right. So in That's other right. words, you don't think it's essential to engage your audience to have no text in front of you and just continuous eye contact. No, no. Uh, in fact, uh, it's interesting. I, it, I've watched on video a few times and compared people's comment about the engagingness of the preacher mm. to the amount of eye contact. Yeah. And it's only one of the factors. Yes. And in, in fact, I, I think sometimes people who work very hard at continual eye contact are not as engaging because you can see, you can actually see them thinking all the time to try yeah. and remember what they're going to say. Yes. There, there's a lot more to engaging, to being engaging than just eye contact. Okay, we'll come back to that in a yeah. second. But I think that's really helpful, important. Uh, that continuous eye contact actually either, I think you can go one of two ways, either working really hard and you're actually tied to the text mentally, or the whole thing metastasizes a little bit mm. and gets a bit fluffy. And I, I agree. And I, I, mean, I actually, I work very hard that what I say is what I've written is what I absolutely want to say. Mm. And I, I think we owe it to be very careful in our language. Mm. And uh, uh, I would rather be a little bit more bound to my text. Yes. But get it right. Mm. Than sometimes, you know, in your tiredness when you're preaching the fourth time on a Sunday. <laughs> Fifth, and, seventh. And if, I, I think without notes, I'd probably say, without realising switch, well, you know when you hear a guy yeah. say, we're saved by works, not by faith. And you, you know he meant to say the other, but he doesn't realise he said it the wrong yeah, way around. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. we, we owe it to be careful in our mm. language, mm. whilst, of course, being engaging is important. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, let's, um, one final little, I'm, I'm just thinking mentally, getting up into the pulpit, one final little practical point. You off paper, iPad, what do you do? Uh, paper. I'm, I'm not, I'm You're a paper light, guy. So, right. yeah, 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 yeah. So I, uh, years and years ago, I uh, bought a little... Uh, is it A5 size folder? And that's yeah. my preaching folder. Right. And my okay. notes are in there. Yeah, and, right. Uh, okay. Yeah, and I haven't moved away from it. Okay. Yeah. An annotated? Do you just sort of highlight things? No, no. My uh, uh, And again, over time, I used to do things like that. Or I might mm. write at a point, uh, big point or the, down the side and something. I, I find that comes much more naturally now. Yeah. But there's no problem doing that. Mm. And I, I think that's the thing. Do what you've got to do for your text to be helpful for you to preach yes. in an engaging manner to the people there. Yeah. One of the things that's coming through in these conversations and it's coming through now is you've been at this for, for 20 odd years. Yeah. Uh, you've grown and evolved as a preacher over that time. I am hearing uh, some guys say very early in their ministry or maybe in college, I'm not sure I'm a preacher. It's not coming easily to me. Mm. Um, I'm seeing these other guys, I'm seeing the Phil Colgans, they're much more effective than I am. Mm. Um, whereas the Phil Colgans have been working at it a long time. And maybe some of these young guys said, hey, just give it some time. Mm. 
mm. and keep working at it and see what gift is polished up and evolves. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, it'd be a lie to say that everyone is the same and it's just hard work. Sure. Some are just more naturally able to speak mm. and, and so forth. But, mm. uh, but the preacher you often see on the platform at a convention mm. is not the preacher he was 20 years ago yeah, or sure. 30 years ago yeah. and so forth. He, he's evolved over time. Yeah. So stick at it. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, Phil, what's the purpose of preaching? What are you trying to do? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's all those set things we talk about. We want to faithfully declare the Word of God. We want it to bring it to bear on people's hearts and minds. Uh, and, and I think that's that's true. And I think if, if you wanted a sentence, that's that's what I would say. But mm. I, I, I like to, as I've developed my thinking on preaching over the years, I... I see two things I want to be. I, I'm seeking to be prophetic and I'm seeking to be eschatological. I'll explain what I mean. So sure, by, yeah. I, I actually think the closest thing in the scriptures to us as preachers is the Old Testament prophets. Hmm. So our job is to declare the word of God in all its seriousness, in all its fullness, hmm. and invite a response of faith and repentance. Hmm. That's what we're trying to do. That's what I mean by prophetic. So. Hmm. Uh, and I think that means you speak to the mind and the heart. So, sure. so and in many ways that then drives to people say, what's application about? Well, application is calling for a right response to the word of God. It's mm. calling for a response of faith and, and repentance. Eschatological, what do I mean by that? Uh, I mean, our job as preachers is to bring the word of God to bear on ourselves and the people listening in this time in which we now live in the time between the comings of Christ, the first yes, and second okay, coming. they're now and they're not yet. And, and our job is to, that, this is what brings the urgency of our preaching, mm. is week in, week out to say to our people, you are living for eternity. Our eschatology should drive everything, right? We and want our people to be the ones who overcome. That's right, who persevere. Yeah, yeah. I've been so struck by, I mean, if people were at the Reach Australia conference last year, I, I gave the talk at the end of the conference and mm. I talked about how to, the, the essence of being a Christian is we are waiting for the Lord. That's what the scriptures say. Yeah, yeah. 1 Thessalonians 1 talks mm. about how you turn from idols to wait for the Lord. Yes. Uh, and that's what we're doing. That's what I see what I'm doing with my preaching. And I'm talking particularly week in, week out preaching mm. in the church, uh, which can I say is much harder than being an itinerant and going in and speaking sure. somewhere with your well-prepared talk. It's the mm. week in, week out preaching. I need to remind my, bring the word of God to bear, invite a response of faith and repentance, but remind my people, you are living, waiting for the return of Christ. Now respond to God's word in that light. And that's what brings the urgency to the task. Prophetic, eschatological. eschatological. Yeah. Why is it harder to be a week by week preacher rather than the itinerant, aside yeah. from yeah. You get to polish up a nice, neat talk that you repeat yeah. and use in different yeah. places besides that. Yeah. Week by week preaching is, well, there's so many things. One is, it's your same congregation who you know well and they know you. Mm. They know you and all your frailties. Yes, right. Uh, the other is, it's just hard to get up over and over again. There's only so many illustrations. Yeah, I've only right. got so many stories mm. uh, and, and that sort of thing. Uh, I remember hearing Al Stewart years ago and he said, after a few years, it was just me and the Bible. And, and that's the, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and I feel that because I've been in one place 20 years. Mm. I mm. can't reuse stuff. Mm. Yeah, right, yes. <laughs> so sometimes people catch me out. Uh, but uh, it's, uh, I just think that is a harder task mm. uh, and, and a noble one 
and the one we need to encourage people in. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. I think there's something sweet and beautiful and very noble yeah, yeah. standing in front of a group of people you need to get to know deeply. That's right. Yeah, That's right. as you shepherd yeah. them, you're shepherding yeah. them yeah. through your preaching. Yeah. Okay, prophetic, eschatological, it's, it's a profound task, a very noble one. Um, so therefore you're very concerned that people are engaged mm. with what you're doing. Uh, what does it mean to engage people? How do you do it? Open, there's an open playing field of a question. Just talk to us about how Phil Colgan engages people. Yeah. Not with yeah. continuous eye contact, apparently. No, no, yeah. that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Uh, I actually think the key to engaging people is them knowing you believe it. Okay. I, I think that, that it's clear that you believe what you're saying, mm. you care about it, you think it's important, and you long for them to share your joy, your hope, your confession of sin, your, whatever it is the response yeah. to this passage. Mm. I, I, you can think a lot about homiletics, and you can think a lot about yeah. the tricks of the trade, if you yes. like. But, and they're worthwhile uh, thinking about. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, but, okay. But not nothing in the end is as important as you believe it, it's obvious you believe it, and you communicate that with your personality and with who you are. And so I, I remember years ago, I, I was caught on the horns of a theological dilemma. I'm a, I'm a reasonably uh, powerful communicator. Mm. Uh, I always have been, you know, and uh, uh, in an argument, I'll, I'll often win. Mm. Uh, and that's a dangerous thing as a Christian because it's not always on the strengths of your argument, it's sometimes on other things. Yeah. But I was so convicted that, but hang on, it's gotta be the word of God that changes people, not me, mm. that, and, and so forth, that I actually almost tried to make my preaching boring. You might mm. say, if you listen to my preaching, it still sounds that way, but, yeah. but I almost, it was like, no, because it's the word of God, it can't be me, and that sort of thing. But then a young guy came up to me and he, he said, he said, Phil, why is it you're more important, you're, you're more excited when you talk to me about the Canberra Raiders than when you talk to me about the cross of Jesus from that pulpit. It's just a young guy. No, uh, and, 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 you know, talking to I'm them. I'm sorry to make light of a, of yeah. a very serious point, yeah. but that, that is damning, isn't it? To be more excited about the Raiders. <laughs> uh, Each to their own. But that's yeah, the, but yeah. what a moment. But yeah, and it was, yeah. And it was, it was actually, yes, yes. I, part of my job as a preacher is to, not in an over-the-top over way, not in an affected way, mm. but to actually communicate my response to this passage and my response to mm. these truths and to communicate its importance, its mm. seriousness. And as I say, whether that is joy, whether that is tears, mm. I'm not a crier, so it would rarely be tears, mm. but uh, you, you know, that yeah. it was just a, a profound moment where a young man for me as a young preacher, just helped me see part of my job as a preacher is to be me responding to God's word in the pulpit. So that goes way back and perhaps beyond the scope of this conversation. Mm. Um, to you at your desk, you're not simply preparing a sermon. The word is doing its work on you and you are open to that and prayerful about that. And uh, very much so. Yeah, very much so. okay. Yeah. Um, how do you avoid, to tell us about avoiding over the top way. There's a yep. Phil Coleman over the top. Yep. And, and so would the language there be manipulative? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Or yep. dialed back, yep. which 
is perhaps manipulative in another way. In a strange because, sense. Yeah, because yeah. you're trying to avoid something being thought of you yeah. and, and mm. you're calibrating off what people think. And, mm. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah just, can you tell us about what that means for you and how you avoid being over the top and manipulative? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I always, when I'm talking to people I'm training in preaching, I, I have a little rule of uh, in the pulpit, be you have to be yourself plus 10%. Okay. Now I make up most statistics, so that don't don't. I've take always the said eleven point two. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, and sort of my, my point is, there's a there's a plus twenty or thirty percent where it's mm. not you. Yeah. But there's a plus ten percent that just recognises I'm in front of a crowd and I'm and I'm here and it's appropriate. I have to be louder, more expressive to communicate to a larger group. That that's just uh, yeah. good communication. Yes. So I talk about the, uh, and, it, and again, it's knowing your personality. Mm. Now, I'm, a, I'm a big guy with a loud voice with mm. a, and that sort of thing. I, I, don't, I don't have to be a, a smaller guy who's quieter, mm. might have to work out, hang on, how do I communicate with who I am? Yeah. But my point is, be yourself, but it's okay to be plus 10%. Yeah. And I think then it is worth really thinking through those things. You've got to be aware of how to use volume. Mm. how to use pitch, how to use speed, those sort of things. But not in a manipulative way, it's just a how do I communicate this well and all those things we were talking about before. Yeah, well, you yeah. Were talking, yeah, we referred to tricks before. They're not yeah. tricks, no, it's just no. learning good communication. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Okay. So not, not starting at a certain pitch, hey, I'm going to be animated and I'm mm. just going to stay animated at the same pitch all the way through. Yeah, yeah. Which is its own form of deadly as speaking in a really boring manner. That's right. Yeah. And you've got yeah. to know who you are and how you naturally speak. Mm. Uh, sometimes it's interesting. Preachers develop from what I call year 12 public speaker competition. Right. And then in time, they actually work out how to just talk in the yes. pulpit. Mm. And you've got to do that. You've got to be natural. But then there is that. So for me, I'm naturally loud. Mm. I'm naturally strong. For me, a change in tone is often being more quiet. Yes, slowing down and so forth. You, you know, mm. yeah, uh, yeah. another guy who might be more, much more reserved and so forth. Actually, if he suddenly spoke loudly, that that would be people go, "Hang on, what's going on here?" And actually, yeah. working out where where are the points I want people to to realise this is vital, get this, and work out how do I do that. Now, that's something. There's something very important there because it's about engaging people. And uh, we, we, we've used the language, I think, a lot of time, finding your voice as a yeah. preacher. So I think this is what we're talking about. Yeah. What does it mean for Phil Colgan to be a preacher? You found your voice. Yeah. It's you plus 10%. It's understanding you as a big, loud guy. Yeah. And okay, that's me. How does that work out yeah. in the pulpit? But it's calibrated off the text. Exactly right. It's calibrated. So what is going on in this moment as I exegete this point or apply this point? It's, it's, it's two things. It's in, from the text yeah. and from your argument, right. it, where in your argument you are. Yeah, because yeah. in your exegesis, you'll have worked out the main point of this passage is mm. verse 17. Mm. And, and as I communicate this truth in verse 17, that we are justified by faith, whatever it is. Uh, that's the point I've got to work out. How do I make people understand that's the most important point? Yes. Now, part of that is how you structure your talk, that work you do Monday to for me, Monday to Thursday, mm. whenever you do it. Mm. Uh, but a lot of it is also then how you communicate it. Mm. But I think this is, getting back to the passage, I, 
sometimes people say our job as a preacher is to be is to faithfully communicate the text. Amen. Mm. But part of faithful communication of the text is faithfully communicating the tone of the passage. Yes, excellent. And actually getting across, okay, this passage is somber. Mm. Therefore, I need to communicate solemnity, I suppose is the word. You know, yeah, this, this passage is joyful. I need to communicate its joyfulness. Yeah. This passage is, well, yeah. I, the illustration I sometimes use of that is, sometimes people will be preaching Romans 2 mm. and they just, they can't handle that Romans 2 doesn't get to Romans 3. <laughs> right. And so they, now you, you do want to communicate Romans 2 is not the end of the story and, and, we, and there is a salvation. Sure. But the tone of the passage is be aware of your sin and it is horrible and we deserve the judgment of God. Mm. And even as you provide an, an inkling of the light from next week's passage, mm. that tone has to be there. Yeah. Now, if you're a happy So don't guy, wash out the tone of chapter right. 2 yeah. with just jumping yeah. too quickly to yeah. chapter 3. Yeah. And that's, again, knowing who you are. Some mm. of us are much better at uh, strong... That's a, We've got to mm. learn, hang on, how do I actually communicate joy and that sort of thing. Other people... Mm. Naturally, Joy, you've got to work out how do I communicate seriousness? How do I communicate solemnity? Yeah. yeah. Tell us about structure for a second. Um, do you use a screen, headings on a screen, hand out bits of paper? Yeah, yeah. I mean, historically, uh, I, I've always used an outline uh, mm. for people. Mm. Uh, and I think structure is really, really important. Yeah. Uh, and uh, 13 headings, two <laughs> sub points each, you know, what, what's an appropriate amount? Because. I don't like yeah. to actually give a rule. Sometimes mm. you need more, sometimes you need less, sure. and, and so forth. Though if the structure is, if the, if the outline is so complicated that it's overwhelming, that's unhelpful. Mm. Uh, I now use you know, the PowerPoint screen as well and have the points up there. Mm. That's just evolved over time. Mm. Uh, I'm not an overly, uh, I don't utilize that as much as many, and that's mm. okay, that's a personal mm. thing. Uh, but one of the reasons structure is so important is I often talk about giving people uh, an opportunity to put, who are, sometimes you're preaching and people are mentally walking out the door. And the way I yeah. talk about it is they're, they're picking up their coat and hat and they're putting yeah, it on. Yeah. And there's certain, you've got to give people points during your sermon mm. to say, hang on, I'm going to turn around and put my hat back on the stand and come and sit down and listen again. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And, and that's why struct, uh, structure is, is part of loving the people and communicating well and saying and recognizing, okay, I might have lost them in point one there. Mm. Sometimes you don't realize this in your preparation, you realize it when you're up there in the yeah. pulpit. And, and you've got to say, now, there's certain points where I'll actually stop and say, now, hang on, because I'm, I'm trying to read the audience in yeah, a way, yeah. the congregation. And I'll say, well, hang on, I, I realize that's got a bit complicated. Come back with me. Give the person next to you a slap on the, on the head, wake them up. <laughs> uh, well, the point we were making there was we are all sinners before God. But now, come with me to my point two. We're at point two. Let's go. Okay. And now, that, yeah. that, that's a preacher who's got some miles under his belt, mm. but also who's well prepared mm. and comfortable with yeah. the structure, the logic, and is able to therefore, you know, because if, you, if you're not well prepared, you're just panicked about sticking with it yourself. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you're unable to sort of respond to the situation like that. Mm. Anyway, I'm just making that point on the side through. Well, look, Phil, moving on, um, we've just been talking about structure. Let's, let's go back to the start. Let's talk about introductions. What's a good introduction? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just, I hear, I hear thin introductions. Sure. I yeah. hear light introductions. Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. I actually think a good introduction varies. 
and, and actually part of, we talked before about how uh, being a week-by-week -week preacher, well, part mm. of that is actually recognising that, that it's different when you're a week-by-week -week preacher yeah. than if you're a one-off preacher or a special event yes. preacher and so on. So I think when you're preaching evangelistically or a, uh, a one-off event, mm. uh, Christmas uh, or something like that, mm. you really have to win a hearing mm. because the people don't know you. They, uh, they, you've got to say, this is why this is worth listening to mm. uh, and, and so forth. So uh, often in those sort of situations, a, a good introduction will do a number of things. It will help people think, this guy's worth listening to. It will mm. it will create a connection with you, mm. the preacher. Uh, uh, often, I think a good in introduction in that sort of situation will raise a conundrum, yes, or raise a question mm. uh, uh, that that we're then going to answer together. Mm. We'll uh, to use some of the, the jargon people use. We'll we'll actually connect with people's sense of a need mm. uh, and, and say, well, how does the scripture answer that question? Mm. How does the gospel answer that question? So I think that sort of introduction, and, and often when you hear people talk about introductions, they, it's almost like that's the only type of introduction. Mm. But I actually think what you want to, when you're a week by week preacher, uh, you can't do that every week. And it's actually unhelpful to do that every week, mm. I think, having a we're going to come up with a groundbreaking worldview issue and I'm mm. leaving it on a knife's edge. Mm. Because most Christians who have been Christians for a while already know the answer you're going to communicate in that sermon. Yeah. Uh, that it's not groundbreaking that you're communicating the sovereignty of God to them, mm. that Jesus' death pays for their sins and yeah. so forth. Much of preaching is reinforcing. Mm. Uh, and, but more than that, my worry with it is if, you're always, if your idea in an introduction is winning a hearing, it really worries me if our regular congregations need yeah. to be one every week and because it's an entertainment process. That's a very good point. So yeah. I think that often what I call my introductions in my Sunday morning at nine o'clock sermon mm. Mm. is I'm inviting you to open the gate and come with me. That's the one I talk about. And yes. I'm coming up with a way to say to you, how good is it for us to get into mm. this together? Yes. Now, so that might be one of those illustrations I talked about before, raising a point mm. and then and, and a question that we're going to... But it might be helping them say, isn't God's word wonderful? And this is a great story. We've been preaching mm. through two kings. Mm. This is a great story in two kings. They come with me as we hear about this great story. Might actually... Sometimes people, I think, think the introduction's got to be about the main point of the passage. Mm. The introduction is getting you in to to what you're communicating. Mm. And it might not be about the main point. It mm. might actually be about a sub point. It might be about the first point only. It mm. might be, as I said before, about getting you into the story we're looking at together. Mm. Uh, tied to that, I think uh, uh, sometimes there's that other element of having people connect with you, the preacher. Mm. It's not a bad thing to actually get up and just talk personally as you start, it's got nothing to do with the sermon, mm. then pray and then do your actual introduction to your sermon. And that'd be a bit skeptical there. Okay, okay. Give, me, give me a bit more detail. Talk yeah, personally. Yeah, yeah. Here's the kind uh, of week I've had and well, gee, the Raiders I'll, were poor yesterday. What, what yeah, I avoid that because right. uh, it's all too common But uh, and, and, uh, and there's not many fellow supporters. But the uh, what I'm getting at is, well, I'll go back a step. Mm. One of my 
pet peeves, if you like, mm. is when people do a cracker of an introduction that mm. gets you into it, mm. and then they say, now let's pray. Mm. And then prayer is wonderful, but you then disengage from the introduction. Yeah. A moment's been created and a moment I mean, gets and lost. And then you get back and, and then your effective introduction is, let's turn to verse three. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I, why pray then? Why not pray yeah. before? Mm. Now, some people say, yeah, but I, I want to connect with people. Now, so what I'll often do is get up at, at the start and just say, gee, it's been a great week this week. Can I tell you about someone I got to share the gospel with? Yeah. And just and just something encouraging and edifying. Mm. But now we're turning to God's word. So let's mm. pray. Pray and then do your introduction. Uh, Here's it, something slightly controversial. For, I think a lot of preachers pray for their own sake, just to yeah. settle themselves. And I yeah. think theologically, yeah. it makes more sense for the prayer to be before the Bible reading. It's, it's a really good point. And yeah. then as a preacher, just yeah. stand up and start preaching I, and rely yeah. on the fact you've already prayed. You don't have to pray again. There, there is yeah. no rule that you must pray at that point. And yeah. I'll, I'll often think mm. that if, someone, if, we've, mm. if the structure of our service that week is prayer, for the Bible readings, yes. Bible reading, Bible reading, and then I'm up to preach. Yeah. Sometimes I'll just get up and, and yeah. go. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. We already prayed. Mm. My prayer is going to say exactly the same thing, yeah. Yeah. And, and so forth. And yeah. the, that prayer is already powerful and effective. Mm. Yeah. That's yeah. right. And, so. and, and it, it treats the Bible reading as it should be treated, That's theologically. Right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. 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 It's, not, it's almost yeah. like I'm praying, now we're getting into God's Word yeah. as we preach. Yeah. Well, no, no, no we've, we've already, already done that in the room. Okay. Yeah. Now, you just said something very helpful there's a variety of introductions. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's different for the week-by-week week preacher. There's a distinction between uh, engaging with people and, hey, it's worth listening to me. That's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. But there's something else. It's worth listening to this. Yeah. And yeah. you'll do that by raising a question, a conundrum. Tell me about engaging with culture at that point. Do you think it's a good idea? Bad idea. We use the language of worldview preaching sometimes. Mm. Mm. Is that a feature of your introductions, Alan? I wouldn't say so much of in- introductions. I my introductions, I think, tend to be uh, uh, not raising a massive issue in the world unless mm. that issue is what we're going to then deal with mm. in the text. Mm. Uh, I think that comes out more in application through the sermon in my okay. preaching. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, okay, that's the habit you've mm. uh, gone with. Let, let's go to application yeah. then. Yeah. Uh, we've already talked about the purpose of preaching. Mm. Mm. It's prophetic, it's eschatological, yeah. it's very helpful. Uh, I imagine that's dominant in your thinking about application as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I think application, in, in some senses, is the hardest thing to to work out in preaching and is the thing yes. that's, that's evolved over time in my preaching. Talk about preachers being slow cooked. It's the application part that comes yeah. on later. That's right. I think that's for, right. As preachers develop. Yeah. 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 And I think a few... So don't be too hard on yourself if that's you're right. a young preacher. That's right. Yeah. I sometimes hear um, uh, people criticise a young preacher and they go, oh, well, same old applications at the end. Mm. Pray more, read your Bible and share <laughs> the gospel. Now, I get that. Mm. I get that critique. But at the same time, well, it's not a bad thing <laughs> to be encouraged to pray more, read your Bible and share yeah. the gospel. And uh, I'd add, go to church each week as well, you know, mm. just, uh, just to, to get it all in. Mm. But, uh, 
but there is a sense to which that so I think it, it, the critique is a little unfair because well most scriptural passages will eventually drive you to those points mm. but there is a sameness to that style of preaching I think that's how I often uh, often young preachers start out I've got to have application on the end I've got to have two or three do's to finish yes. the sermons mm. so there's a few things I've worked out over the years the, the most helpful is that application is not always do this but actually, there are there are so many different types of application. Application might be uh, be reminded of this wonderful truth. Yes, that might be the application. Mm. Be reminded of this wonderful truth. Grasp a hold of this promise of God. Mm. Uh, the application might be a do, mm. and with with very specific mm. outworkings and yeah. so forth. Uh, but actually, be liberated to see that application is not a. And here's your five do's this week. Mm. It's actually a much broader thing than that. Grasp these truths, respond in this way. And a helpful way to think about that is faith and repentance. Yes, is actually thinking through what does a response of faith and repentance to this passage look like. Yes. Uh, so that's one thing I've sort of has helped me o over the years. Another is to actually see that application is best flowing out of where it actually comes out of the passage. Yep. And I, I, I much prefer application that flows out through the sermon. Uh, Weave it in as you go. That's right. Not that's right. Here's four things at, at the end. At the end. Yeah. Uh, and so it actually, and the benefit of that is the application is actually tied to the the, the verse you're thinking of now there's a every rule is meant to be broken sure and and i say have lots of strings to your bow in preaching mm. there's a sermon where it's right to say no we've got to work through the whole text and then get to these three application points my point is that's not always the best way there's a, do it as as the passage drives as the structure drives you're preaching or create moments don't miss those moments that's right okay yeah. phil yeah. we've actually got a good example of that from your preaching okay quite yeah. recently so yeah. we're going to take a listen to that now it's from a series phil uh, has done at st george north on two kings we're in two kings chapter five let's have a listen but we also meet the other important character in the story this poor little girl we don't even know her name all we know is she was stolen from israel in a raid and taken into slavery uh, and she says to her new master there is a man back home a prophet would be able to cure you and she's talking about Elisha now this little nameless girl is one of that faithful remnant she is one of those faithful believers like the people we read about in chapter four last week if you like she is the last story from last week's chapter uh, and even if we don't know her, her name she is a hero she's taken off into another country as a little girl yet she still trusts in the one true God but what, what I want you to notice here is how God is in control of all this See, Christians often have a simplistic view of God's sovereignty, as we call it, God's control over all things. When good things happen or things that we perceive to be good, we say, oh, wow, isn't God good? God's in control. But then when bad things happen or when things we perceive to be bad things happen, we think the devil did it or, or God must have lost control or God, whatever it is. But God is so much bigger than our simplistic view of things. And you see that here. So even though this general was against Israel, against God's people, any victory he won was because, look there in verse 1, he only ever won a victory because the Lord had given it to him. God is sovereign, not just over his people, 
God is sovereign over the whole world, even the enemies of God's people. More than that, this little girl being captured was a horrible thing. Imagine a little girl being taken into slavery in a foreign land. It's horrible. But here again, we see how God uses that horrible event to bring about salvation. So please remember this wonderful truth. Even when horrible things happen, even when the the bad guys are winning, God is in control. And Romans tells us God is working for the good of those who love him. Okay, so Phil, that's a a fairly small moment in the sweep of two kings. Mm. You might say in terms of the sweep of the narrative, maybe not a small moment theologically, Mm. a nameless girl. Mm. But you've picked up that little piece of narrative and done something fairly significant with it applicationally. Mm. And we just heard, we heard that strong voice. We heard that big presence uh, applied to that. Uh, Just tell us a bit about you using that moment, making that decision, and maybe what was going on in the congregation, what you were responding to. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, that was 2 Kings 5 mm. that we were looking at there. And it's the story of Naaman and, uh, and so forth. Now, when, you, when I get to the end of that sermon, I'm, I'm wanting to deal with, uh, with the reality of the fact that even in the Old Testament, we're seeing the gospel is for all nations because mm. Naaman is one of the great moments yeah. uh, of that. Uh, so I, don't, I didn't want to... Uh, stop that being the main point of the sermon. Mm. But here right up front in the context, we've got this wonderful example of how God uses what we would judge to be a bad thing Mm. in that Romans 8 sense of God using all things for the good of those who love him Mm. uh, uh, to to bring about his salvation of this person and to bring about the spread of his gospel Mm. effectively. Mm. Now at the moment in Australia, lots of Christians starting to worry about is, is God in control? Will I? Will what happened to the fellow at Essendon happen to me? You know, mm, in my mm. workplace and so forth. And so for me, there's a there's a wonderful theological truth coming out there. It's not the main point of the passage, mm. but that's the point. To as in that's the point in that passage where that truth comes out. So let's take that tangent out at that point and briefly bring it to bear for people. So Phil, that's so helpful because it was only brief. It's a really powerful, significant point. Scripture makes that point often. I think our people need to hear it often. Mm. And as you say, in our culture at the moment, uh, it's particularly salient. You did it powerfully. I do like the nuance on the way through on that point. Uh, You said things we perceive Mm. to be negative. Mm. Mm. So it is about our perception. So you've taken some care. There's some precision in your language at that point. So thanks for giving us that example. No, that's fine. Uh, A little more with engaging people we're talking about application maybe illustrations come into play here Mm. Um, tell us about your use of application if that's evolved over the years for you yeah 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 yeah. so it's interesting i think um uh, more and more i'm i'm not a big illustrator right as in i don't i'm not there are some preachers who are just great at telling great stories Mm. uh and um uh to, to bring home a point mm. and so forth. Uh, I find on the whole uh, that that's not me. It's just not the way I work on things. I love telling the story of narrative in the scriptures. Mm. And actually, so I always, uh, uh, one of the things that sometimes I, I critique in, in other preachers I'm training is when they have a story in the Bible, mm. instead of using it yeah. and yeah. telling it in an yeah. exciting way, appropriate way, mm. they tell another story about a bloke 
they've met during the week or, yeah, yeah. or a guy in China or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, that's yeah. What we, rather than actually using the narrative of, of the Bible, especially yeah. when you're preaching Old Testament narrative or the Gospels or Acts or something like that. Yeah, sure. There's your illustration. Mm. There's your... So, Even I, in the pastorals, there's a story behind the it, text. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Now, uh, in terms of uh, illustrations and application, it's interesting. I... I uh, I remember reading Gary Miller and uh, is it Phil Campbell's book on preaching mm. uh, where they had the line, illustrate the unimportant. Mm. And I actually think there's, there's, that's a really true thing that mm. uh, often uh, an illustration is illustrate an unimportant point, uh, give people a bit of a break, yeah. but actually then drum home through other techniques the important points. Mm. Uh, and over the years, I think what I've started to do is actually have personal illustrations of application. Mm. So actually illustrate application rather than concepts. Mm. Uh, so uh, to um, it might be to pick up on the point from the two kings one before it mm. might be if we were str if we're struggling uh, to trust in God's sovereignty to actually mm. illustrate where I find that hard mm. and have the illustration be about the application mm. I, I think is something I've uh, come across over the years yeah do you think younger preachers rely on illustrations too much uh, out of a an over anxiety that people listen to them that can be the case I mm. think yeah yeah I, I I think we all struggle with that don't we we all struggle with uh, with with pride at its heart yeah so, sure yeah yeah a fear of man a desire yeah, to be liked yeah, yeah. that's right yeah that's yeah. right yeah and that, that's that's what I go back to before on on introductions. Mm. I think sometimes when I was first starting out, I thought I've got to have a really good story as my introduction. Yes. I just don't always have a really good story yeah, as my right. introduction. But yeah. part of that was because I thought that's what I had to do to win a hearing, as yeah. we talked about before. Yeah, I yeah. mean, going back to that, as the week to week preacher, to have the starting point of no, you're here mm. where God's mm. people gathered in St George North. Yeah. I thoroughly expect you to listen to me. That's right. Yeah, that's right. We're here to do the work together, and, yeah. and have that's yeah. the starting point. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, so, possible overuse of illustrations. Um, they don't always need to be long illustrations. No. To no. tell us about that. No, I th I think sometimes it's just a throwaway line. It's just yeah. a a quick point. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Illustrations don't have to be long stories. Yeah. 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 So I'm saying to young preachers uh, that I've had. The illustration needs to be this long digression that over eggs mm. the concept, and mm. so, and I'll critique that, and so the next time there's no illustrations at all, mm. yeah, and yeah. so to need to have a lot of strings to our bow, mm. I think as you were saying before. Uh, let's talk about conclusions. Let's talk about applications. You're using them on the way through, mm. taking advantage of moments as yeah. you work your way through yeah. narrative, exegete the passage. Um, tell us though about concluding. Yeah. Which is often an application, isn't yeah. it? But yeah. No, it, uh, it, I think it's, you really should work hard on your conclusion of a sermon. Hmm. And uh, I think sometimes, again, a, a, a self-critique and, uh, and a critique as I train others is that the, uh, because you've reworked and reworked the first parts of the sermon, but then you just finish your thing, amen, mm. and, uh, and then get up and preach, yeah. 
the conclusion has not been worked out. Mm. But actually, if you think about it, that's the words that are ringing in people's ears yes. as they leave. Uh, and so surely it deserves attention mm. to, to be paid to it. Uh, my view on, on conclusions and introductions is to think of how you write an essay and do the opposite. So when, when you're at Bible College, your introduction is meant to set out everything you say in, yes, in right. the argument, and then your conclusion effectively repeats your introduction, yeah. but uses words like thus and subsequently and consequently. That's, a, that's <laughs> just a tip for anyone studying at Bible College for how to finish your essay. You'll now get, you'll uh, now get A's. That's right. Yeah. But that's, that's for essays. Mm. Now, a sermon is different. The introduction, as I said before, is to get us into this together. Mm. And so it might pick up the main point. It might pick up a sub-point. It might pick up just a point when about you say God's pick word. up, not state it. No, yeah. no, but it might lead us into it. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. The conclusion does not have to summarise everything we've learnt over the last 20, 30 or 40 minutes, depending on how long you preach. Mm. Uh, the conclusion should be the point you want in people's ears mm. as they leave today to go and talk about together mm. uh, or to go out into their week. Yeah. Now, so that might be, it might be you've got three big points you've made during mm. your sermon. Well, if the third point is a powerful, important point, let that be the point that is then ringing on people's ears. You don't mm. have to go back and re-summarise and say, so we've learnt one and two as well. Mm. You've made those points as you've gone through. Mm. But if actually point one is the point mm. that you want people to finish on, and you've gone point one, point two, point three. Mm. Well, then why not make your conclusion? But where I want us to finish today is back to where we started. Yeah. And go back and and. But my point is, your conclusion should powerfully leave hanging in people's ears the point you want them to finish with. They're not going to have every word from your twenty-five, thirty minutes no. clearly in their head. And I and this goes back to application as well. I think sometimes people say, oh. Uh, my job is to have people remember all these points from a, of application from my sermon. Mm. That is not generally how the Bible works on people. Sometimes it does. Yeah. Sometimes you go, I remember the sermon Gary Eastman preached on the 23rd of March 2007 where I remember he taught me about the sovereignty of God. Mm. That's wonderful mm. when you remember those moments. Most of it isn't like that. It's much more osmosis. You, yes. are, you are steeped in the Word of God through the week in, week out, hearing of preaching, mm -hmm. through the studying it in your quiet times, through the studying it in your, your small group or whatever you, you have. Mm. Uh, and so it doesn't worry me that someone doesn't remember what I preached three weeks ago. Mm. It doesn't worry me that they can't remember the, what I thought was the main point and that sort of thing. As long as it's going in and helping shape their mind and shape their heart mm. in line with the promises of God and Very in helpful. line with God's word. That, that's the beauty of preaching. That's what it does. Mm. That's why, that's why uh, it's so sad when people hear sermon one in a series, sermon four, and sermon seven because they only come. Mm. You know, because it's actually the it's the week in week out impact mm. of faithful preaching that changes people and shapes them and drives change in their heart and mind. Mm. Uh, so I, I think that's really important. I can't remember if we got to that, but back to conclusions. That's why in the end, yes, I want it ringing in their ears. But, uh, but it doesn't worry me if a week later they can't quite remember that point. It's gone into there and is part of, of shaping them. Well, what we're saying is it depressurises the conclusion. Yeah. 
yeah. from needing to be some sort of tying together of, of the entire content e of the exactly. sermon. That's yeah. what you're trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. Instead, you know, pick something, yeah. uh, osmosis for a bunch of stuff, but we do want some, some stuff right. to stick. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So let's yeah. pick the line. And it might be, is this what you call your big idea? It might be the big idea. Yeah. But that's where I, I want to be a bit freer than that. Yeah. It might just be, as I say, the last application point mm. or, or the last promise to take a hold of, whatever it is. Mm. I think there are then some, uh, in a non-pejorative sense, tricks mm. of good conclusions or traps people fall into. I'll tell you, tell you a couple of them. Yeah. Uh, one is, as I say, the sense of summarising so that actually the sermon is just winds down to this meandering end. Yeah. Another is just not being able to end it, what I call circling the airport and not knowing when to come in for land. And, I, was, and I just got, always describe it like a mole with pre-ignition. <laughs> you, you, you shut off the throttle and the thing just keeps keep revving keep and bubbling over. along. Yeah, and yeah, you're like, yeah, die, yeah. yeah. But another I find is when I finish the sermon, I want the person listening to then have time to actually think about that last thing I've said. Because mm. I've worked hard to mm. make it, mm. this is the point. I'm leaving, mm. ringing in your ears. Yeah. Often I hear preachers finish. And so we can be absolutely certain that God loves us no matter what. Uh, let's pray. Mm. And they just rush into a prayer, mm. at which point the person's mind is concentrating on prayer because they're godly. Mm. Uh, they're not ruminating yeah. on that last point. Mm. I, I, the pause at the end of a sermon, I think, is one of just those little things that's one of my bugbears, which is, and so we know that God loves us. Let's pray. Or even, or dare I say, walk off. Walk off. Just say amen. And, Do, and, and, yeah, and there's yeah. a moment when the musos yeah. are making their way on stage or yeah. whatever's happening yeah. next, yeah. and the prayer can pick up the content exactly. of the prayer. Exactly. And I, yeah. I sometimes think yeah. that prayer is about yeah. the preacher not quite knowing how to finish their time up front. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Well, but I put it, don't rush it. It, yeah. it is part of, again, good communication yeah. is to actually say, if I want people to think on this, I've got to give them time mm. and space to do yeah. that. I don't mean. Now I want you to turn to the person next to you and da 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 and all those things. You do, you know. But I'm just meaning just a pause means the person goes, okay. Last point made is God's love for me, or whatever it is. So that pause um, is not about processing and applying and I'm making a plan for what I'm going to do that this week. It's just giving a few moments for the line to penetrate yeah. the brain. Yeah, yeah, that they might grab onto it. Yeah, yeah, that's excellent. Yeah, and yeah. that's where I would rather and. and Phil may disagree with me on this. I'd you talked about the musos coming up. Mm. I don't want musos coming up on the stage as I'm making that point. Oh, yeah, I'd no, much no, no. I'd much rather yeah. a messy church service at that point where mm. we've then got a bit of bumbling around as the mm. musicians come up or as the service leader makes his way up. So you don't um, like the music playing behind the end of your sermon, Phil? Is that that's, what you're that's saying? That's not my style, it's... but that's... Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. So, so make sure that moment. Yeah. The musos yeah. coming up as I'm trying to finish was always yeah. anathema to me. Yeah. Let alone yeah. playing behind. Yeah. 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 Uh, let's have that pause moment. Phil, it's been great chatting, preaching with you. Pleasure. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, we're concluding on conclusions. Uh, Want to thank you for your time and you being able to share with us today, joining us on the Reach Australia podcast. My pleasure. 
We want to take the opportunity and encourage you about the Reach Australia National Conference. The registrations are open now for that. Early bird is open. Phil, you've attended the conference over a number of years and were one of the speakers last year. What do you love about the conference? Uh, I think the Reach Australia National Conference every year is a highlight. Uh, I love the teaching, of course, I love the input, but uh, going away with our team to actually think about what we're doing together and how we can do it better uh, and uh, uh, to be challenged by other people uh, is just always wonderful. And next year, it being on being better together and on being in community, uh, I think that's an area we really want to be thinking about and uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, not least having Rory Shiner uh, give us the talks. Every time I hear Rory, I'm challenged. I'm, he, he often takes things in a, a direction I haven't thought of, so uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Rory was with us on this podcast a couple of episodes ago. You might like to go back and check that out. It's a fantastic speaker. ReachAustralia.com.au for registrations and more details about the conference to join together with church leaders and team members from all over Australia for a great time of encouragement. Hope to see you there.